If you don't already know who YouTube star Mr. Beast is, maybe you've never heard of him, that's okay. Maybe you've never watched his videos, that's also okay. You gotta know about this guy though, because he is an enormous cultural influence. He has, this is not hyperbole, the biggest YouTube account on YouTube. He has 146 million people who subscribe to his channels. His videos get just, it's actually hard to fathom the number of views that his videos get. I'm talking hundreds of millions of people watch every single video that he produces. And he's a huge cultural influence. This is a guy that almost every child that you know, whether this is your own child, whether this is a grandchild, whether this is a child you teach, whether this is a child at your church, whatever, any kid, any adolescent, any teenager knows who Mr. Beast is. They've watched Mr. Beast videos, and this guy is now embroiled in a massive scandal because his sidekick on his show on YouTube, a guy by the name of Chris, had, he's a married guy, has a child, a son. He has suddenly come out as transgender, and the reason, or at least the reason why he's come out as transgender, at least as the reason it appears that this happened, is related to a very, very, very dangerous trend online. We're going to talk about that today, break that down. Like I said, maybe you don't know who Mr. Beast is, maybe you don't care about YouTube stars, but you got to care about this story because of its enormous cultural influence. We're going to talk about that shortly, but first, author Judy Bloom. You guys probably read her books growing up, or at least heard of them, right? She wrote, uh, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. She wrote Deanie. She wrote Blubber. She wrote Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing. Extremely famous children's author. Well, she came out in support of J.K. Rowling, Harry Potter author, obviously, in an interview with the Sunday Times. Let me read this to you. Um, she was asked about J.K. Rowling, and this is what she said. I love her. Bloom immediately interjects. I am 100, or I am behind her 100% as I watch from afar. Bloom is referring, the article says, to the abuse Rowling has received from speaking up in defense of women's sex-based rights. And given that Bloom has faced repeated attacks since the 1980s for her book's descriptions of adolescent sexuality and puberty, she knows what it's like to be... Um, pilloried as an author. Guess what the response was from the radical left? They piled on her. How dare Judy Bloom defend J.K. Rowling? How dare she support, you know, a woman author with a platform who's speaking out in defense of actual real women? So unfortunately, this story doesn't have a good ending. Judy Bloom caved to the woke mob. They came for her and she absolutely caved. She posted this apology. Let me bring this up because I got to read this word for word because it's just like every other apology from every other public figure who caves to the woke mob. She said, I wholly support the trans community. My point, which was taken out of context, is that I can empathize with a writer or person who has been harassed online. I stand with the trans community and vehemently disagree with anyone who does not fully support equality and acceptance for LGBTQIA plus people. Anything to the contrary is total BS. Like, how can these people not have a shred of moral courage? How are these people so fearful, especially a person like this, by the way? Judy Bloom is gonna be extremely rich and successful for the rest of her life, no matter what the left does to her now. Like she could be canceled and still live a life of luxury. She could be ostracized by the left the way that the left has ostracized JK Rowling. She could still have her books published. She could still have her books turned into movies. She could still be rolling in wealth and have cultural influence. Like what is the problem with these people? Where is their courage to stand up for what's right? I don't believe for a second that Judy Bloom, she's like a very, a very far left feminist, right? She holds political views that I don't agree with. The I would never let my child read her books. 
because they're full of they're full of like teaching young kids basically adolescents how to masturbate like that kind of stuff like i'm not i'm not going to let my child be indoctrinated with that kind of dirty stuff but you'd think her of all people because she comes at this from a so-called feminist perspective would at least think about what the transgender ideology is doing to women but no 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 she's more worried about getting piled on by the transgender mob and by the way um she understands what the transgender ideology is doing to young people. This is a different, this is a different um, piece. This was from an interview she gave to Variety, but I think it's worth noting here. This is what she said. She was talking about, she calls it book bans. You and I know it's not book bans when schools and libraries, children's libraries at schools are not, uh, or are prohibited from carrying certain pornographic books because, you know, it's a public school. It's a children's library. Children shouldn't have access to porn. Um, This is what the Variety piece said. Bloom went on to say, what are you protecting your children from? Protecting your children means educating them and arming them with knowledge and reading and supporting what they want to read. No child is going to become transgender or gay or lesbian because they read a book. It's not going to happen. They may say, oh, this is just like me. That's what I'm feeling and thinking about. Oh, I'm interested in this because I have friends who may be gay or bi or lesbian. They want to know, Bloom concluded. I just wrote a book that was wonderfully enlightening to me. It's called Gender Queer. It's probably the number one banned book in America right now, she said. And I thought, this young person is telling me how they came to be what they are today. And I learned a lot and became even more empathetic. That's what books are all about. No, 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 no. This is factually incorrect. We have seen uh, the number of young people who identify as LGBTQIA astronomically increase, like exponentially increase. It's now one in five uh, young people in Gen Z who say that they, who identify as queer. This is twice as many as the number of millennials who identify as queer. It's twice as many again as the number of Gen X. And it just, it just, keeps, continues, um, continues as, as you go further and further back generationally. Of course, grooming is effective. Grooming is absolutely effective. Where do you think that this, this epidemic of gender dysphoria came from? Do you think that it just, oh, all of a sudden just happened? No, it happens because of grooming. It happens because children are exposed to this insidious ideology, this poisonous ideology that gets lodged in their brains, that exploits their vulnerabilities, that, that, um, that takes advantage of mental illness that they're suffering. This, this woman is a coward. She's, a, she's deeply coward. And this, by the way, is why we do not uh, do normal literary activities with my daughter. And what I mean by that, this is a conversation that I often have with boomers who talk to me about the difference between republicanism from like 20 years ago and what the quote unquote new right is doing now. And I say, listen, one of the tenets, one of the core parts of the new right philosophy, which is really just like an Edmund Burke style conservatism. But one of the tenets of a new right philosophy is being skeptical. It's questioning institutions specifically, not just people, but institutions that we have previously or previous generations have assumed were good faith institutions filled with experts who were both knowledgeable and had us or our children's best interests at heart and were based maybe on, on science or some other professionalism. And part of the new right philosophy is questioning those institutions and being willing when those institutions don't meet the bar of being a good faith institution, being a safe institution, of, of being willing to live counterculturally. And so what I mean by that is one of the things I liked to do when I was a child is we spent a lot of time at the public library. Our public library wasn't perfect where I grew up. There was always you know, a group of shady teenagers that hung out back by the computers uh, in the back of the library. And there was like a homeless guy that 
uh, sat outside. So it wasn't perfect. We weren't allowed to have free reign of the library because even 20 years ago, uh, maybe 25 years ago, if we're being honest, there were still like the beginnings of woke stuff and influences that my mom didn't want us to be reading in books. But we went to the library all the time. And I don't take, now, I don't take my daughter, my two-year-old daughter to the public library because it's not the same thing as it was when, when I was a kid. And it's not the same thing as it was when you know my parents' generation were kids. It's not the same thing. And that can be a hard concept or a hard reality to grasp because it's like, well, it's the same building. It's some of the same books. Like, how is it not the same thing? And the reality is, is it's not the same thing. So I don't do the things, some of the things that I did as a child, I don't do with my daughter because I recognize that some of these cultural institutions have been corrupted. And children's books is unfortunately a prime example of this. Children's books are completely corrupted with either Judy Bloom stuff or like gender queer stuff, this pornographic stuff or critical race theory. Ibram X. Kendi wrote a book for children. And so what my husband and I do for my daughter, we want to teach her to love reading. I love reading. My husband loves reading. Huge readers in this house. And reading is such a primary part of a child's education. We are doing something just a little bit different with her when it comes to books to avoid all this garbage. And I'm going to show you, actually, I brought it with me today um, to the studio. So I'm going to show you what that is uh, in just a second. Let's get to it. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. As the nation gears up for another election season, tune to the first TV for the best coverage on television. Get an exclusive inside look at the American political machine with Sean Spicer at 7. Unmatched analysis and historical perspective from Bill O'Reilly at 8. Then a bold, unapologetic take from Jesse Kelly at 9. It's must-see TV in primetime every night on the first TV. Watch the first on DirecTV Channel 347, Uverse Channel 1220, or DirecTV Stream. Okay, so it can it can be, now I don't want to say a hard pill to swallow, but it can be a big adjustment in your mind to think about an institution that you relied on as a child. For me, it was like, okay, we went to the public library all the time. We, we I lived, actually, I know for a fact exactly what distance I lived away from the public library. We lived 0.7, seven-tenths of a mile away from the public library. The reason I know this is because I had a 10-speed bike as a kid, and I had a little speedometer on the bike uh, that tracked exactly how long I rode. I loved this thing. And I knew exactly how long it took me to get to the library. The library was at the bottom of a series of hills. We lived at the top of the hill. So uh, it would take me not very long to get down to the library, but then I would have to chug my way back up all those hills. Still the same distance, but a little sweatier by the time I got up to the top with a bag full of books. And we walked too. We walked to the library when I was much younger, when I wasn't able to go by myself. This was a big part of my childhood. And it makes me sad that this is not something that I feel I can safely expose my daughter to these days. But at the same time, of course I want her to read. I read books to her all the time, and I have since she was a teeny tiny little baby. Um, but what we do instead, what my husband and I do instead of taking her to the library, which is infiltrated with Ibram X. Kendi's critical race theory and this gender queer, this pornographic book, 
um, for kids, in addition to like Judy Bloom stuff, stuff that I would never let her read anyway. What my husband does specifically is he goes out to antique bookstores, used bookstores, and he finds classic children's books. There are some classics that everyone's heard of, like Blueberries for Sal or Make Way for Ducklings, that kind of, that kind of book. But he also finds uh, golden books from the 1930s, the 1940s, and the 1950s, specifically, I think, the 40s and 50s. And they're so cute. I brought a stack of them um, to show you. This is the kind of stuff. And the left, this is going to make their heads explode because this is like gender stereotypes out the wazoo. And it's so sweet. It's so adorable. It's so perfect. And it's exactly properly ordered. So this is like an example of one of the books that we read. My daughter, she loves this book. It's called The New Baby. It's about a toddler whose parents have a new baby and she gets a baby doll and she helps her mom. Like she changes the diaper on her baby doll while the mom changes the diaper of the new baby. She rocks the ba- her baby doll to sleep while her mom rocks the baby to sleep. It's so sweet. It's so sweet. Um, look, we're going to have a little story time here. It's just so cute. And the pictures are so adorable. It's just like healthy, wholesome little things. This book is my daughter's favorite book because she adores her dad. Like, I have a great relationship with my baby girl. Like, she's my baby. She's my whole heart, right? She just stars in her eyes for her dad, melts my heart. And she loves this book. It's called We Help Daddy. And it's about two little kids who on Saturday when their dad is off work, you'll notice their dad smokes a pipe in every picture. (laughs) Kills me. Um, They do all kinds of household chores and they help their dad. They help fix hinges and plant gardens and just really wholesome, sweet stuff. Water the flowers and trim the hedges. And they wave to their, where's this picture? They wave to their mother who's baking in the kitchen, like all kinds of just wholesome, wholesome, precious stuff. There's another one called Little Mommy. She takes care of her dolls just like a mom does. There's another one called We Love Grandpa. My husband and I actually laugh about this one because the grandpa in this book who comes over to like babysit the children while the parents go out is not very old. He's not like, it shows that, okay, people used to have children a little bit younger because the grandpa here looks like he's maybe in his 40s. is like kind of a young strapping man just with a little gray around the hair. Um, And then there are the animal books. Like Animal Orchestra, which just shows all these different animals playing their instruments. So cute, so cute. So this is what we do. My husband goes out to these antique bookstores um, or these used bookstores and he hunts down these old books. Um, Highly recommend it, highly recommend. Not only is it a fun thing, my husband really enjoys doing it and he's so good at finding these. This is like the stuff that I want my daughter to think about. This is how I want my daughter to view the world. It's my responsibility to instill my values reality and my faith into my daughter. And this is how we do it. Um, And we have to now, we have to understand that some of the institutions that we relied on, even just a decade, two decades ago, when we were children or when our parents were children, aren't the same as they used to be. And that unfortunately goes um, goes for the public library as well. And the reason, one of the reasons that we have to reject these little pieces of leftist ideology, like in children's books, for example, is because they are representative of the larger leftist ideology. The larger leftist ideology is so incredibly destructive, and they're not even trying to hide it at this point. Like, your your option right now, if you have a child, or even if you're not a parent, this doesn't just go for parents. This goes for society at large, because anything that children learn, obviously, that's who the children become, and those children then govern our society. That's why, even if you're not a parent, we care about Drag Queen Story Hour at public libraries. Even if you're not a parent, we care about uh, children being told that they're racist, because that's not true. We don't want children to be abused. Like, that's a societal interest, not just an interest of parents. 
But the choice here is children can be formed uh, with truth, with reality, with morals, or they can be formed by the left. And the left forms them without morals, amorally, forms them without values or with Marxist values, and it's hideous. This is an example of uh, leftist ideology propagated by someone who calls herself a a Republican or a conservative, but obviously this is leftist ideology. On MSNBC, there is a commentator by the name of, what is her name? Tara Setmayer. She's actually like part of the Lincoln Project, I think, um, who called Senator Tim Scott, who is a Republican senator and a black man, called him a racial pacifier. Take a look at this. I find Senator Scott fascinating, a black Republican who isn't too shy in talking about race, but whose views on race can be problematic both within the GOP and in the general public. So, I mean, am I giving him too much credit? Listen, uh, Tim Scott, bless his heart, is trying to make a name for himself now, taking advantage of the fact that Republicans every election cycle need a racial pacifier. He's their racial security blanket in the race, given all of the context of what's gone on racially with uh, Trump and Republicans over the last few years. And even after the 2012 election cycle, when Republicans did that autopsy and found that they had got to diversify the tent if they want to survive as a party. Well, instead, they went in the complete opposite direction. But the one constant has been good old Senator Tim Scott, the lone black Republican in the Senate. Listen, I I respect Senator Scott's biography. His life story is great. It's the American dream and good for him. What I don't respect is the fact that with that American story, with his experience, with even as a conservative, I'm still a conservative, I'm just not a Republican, Mm -hmm. that he would still, still support Donald Trump. Last summer, he went out of his way during the January 6th hearings when he was asked about January 6th. Remember, he voted to acquit Donald Trump's uh, impeachment after January 6th. He said, oh, yeah, I haven't been watching the hearings. And if Trump's the nominee, of course, we'll support him. That I have no respect for, none whatsoever. I have no respect for someone that cannot take a firm position on where he stands on our democracy, on Donald Trump's existential threat to it, and the fact that the Republican Party has been abysmal on several issues that that are important to our country today. He will not take a position. I mean, the 1990s called and they want their campaign video back. There's nothing extraordinary about what Tim Scott is doing. I mean, he's a big snooze and he has no chance, none whatsoever, zip zero. Well, well, tomorrow. Okay, by the way, she calls herself a conservative and says, oh, the 1990s called and wants their campaign video back. Well, the Democrats called and wants all of their talking points back. It doesn't matter if you call yourself a conservative or a Republican. If you say what this woman just said, then you are propagating leftist ideology. America is on trial. Join me, Josh Hammer, as we examine the presidential election through the only lens that truly matters, the legal proceedings of Donald Trump and the Biden crime family. This new daily podcast examines breaking news and analyzes the biggest questions facing the country. Can the former president, Donald Trump, get a fair trial? Can Trump be disqualified from the ballot? Can Joe Biden pardon his son, Hunter? Can Trump even pardon himself? We cover all the action every morning. Listen to America on Trial, wherever you download your favorite podcasts. So Tara Setmayer, she's works for the Lincoln Project. So that that actually tells you all you need to know about her. But just because, you know, you claim to be a Republican, if you walk like a duck and you quack like a duck, you're a duck. She's propagating leftist talking points. This is what the left thinks. This is what the left thinks of black people. 
This is, this is racism. What she's espousing against Senator Tim Scott is racism. She is acting condescendingly towards him, like, like he's some kind of child, like he's not intelligent. Bless his heart, she said. Bless his heart. You don't say that because you're actually blessing his heart. She's saying that um, to condescend him. She's saying that to condescend him. She is reducing him to a child or whatever. She's reducing him and his views to just his race. Well, he can't, he can't think like this because of his race. He can't vote like this because of his race. He can't be part of the Republican Party because of his race. He can't support Trump because of his race or else, bless his heart, let me just condescend him. This is, this is nasty stuff. That's, there's, a, there's a word for what she's doing, and the word is racism. She's propagating racism here. And it's all, of course, because she hates Donald Trump. It actually has nothing to do with race at all. It's because she hates Donald Trump. She ignored the fact that Donald Trump, under Donald Trump, his administration, the unemployment rate for black Americans was at historic lows. That doesn't matter. Donald Trump hates black people, she says. Why? Because, uh, because of January 6th or something like that. January 6th, like what? What? Because Tim Scott doesn't buy into the radical leftist narrative, the lies that have been propagated about January 6th that were proved to be lies by the videotapes that Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy gave to Tucker Carlson that we all saw before our very eyes because Tim Scott doesn't side with the left. You know, he he's a racial pacifier. He's a racial security blanket. This is the left. This is this is leftist ideology. And if you don't, if you don't choose either to teach your children values and morals. Your, your values and morals, this is what they're going to learn from the left. They're going to learn that stuff. And that's like nasty, nasty stuff. Pete Buttigieg also was propagating, like, and he at least admits that he's a leftist. He doesn't pretend that he's a Republican while saying all the leftist talking points. Pete Buttigieg, Secretary of Transportation, instead of paying attention to all of the train derailments that now seem to be happening on a daily basis all around the country in, in spilling toxic chemicals everywhere, instead of paying attention to that, which seems to be I don't know, a national crisis? He's talking about car crashes, which don't get me wrong, that's an important topic, but Pete Buttigieg is blaming car crashes and fatalities in car crashes, yep, on racism. Take a listen. We've got a crisis when it comes to roadway fatalities in America. We lose about 40,000 people every year. It's a level that's comparable to gun violence. And we see a lot of racial disparities, black and brown Americans, tribal citizens and rural residents, much more likely to lose their lives, whether it's in a car or as a pedestrian being hit by a car. There are a lot of reasons uh, related to discrimination, related to uh, the, even the ways that roads are designed and built. Who has access to uh, a safe street design that's got crosswalks and good lighting? who doesn't have that access, that can drive disparities. And we have a, a responsibility to act on that. What are these reasons that he's talking about? He said these reasons, the, there's reasons related to racism that cause these disparities. What are these reasons? What are these reasons? Where's this institutional racism that he's talking about? This racism that apparently causes roads to be built that, de that are, are deliberately more dangerous to black people? How does this work, people to judge? Pete Buttigieg is just, I mean, this is just nonsense. Pete Buttigieg is just espousing a critical race theory view of the world that you look you look critically at the world and every institution that you don't like, you um, you you hurl this, this Marxism at it. And when I say Marxism, it's it's always this, this 
competition in Marxism between the oppressed and the oppressors, right? So Pete Buttigieg is taking that. He's adding the race to it, the critical race theory, you know, that black people are being oppressed by white people institutionally. And he's applying it to his, his I would say, area of expertise, but I think that might be being a little generous to, be, to, uh, to Mayor Pete's, to Mayor Pete's I don't know, depth of knowledge about transportation, shall we, shall we phrase it that way? Um, he's just applying critical race theory to transportation because that's where he happens to work instead of taking care of the actual job of Secretary of Transportation and looking at like train derailments and stuff. The, the, the important part of this is this is the left. This is the left. If you, don't, if you don't teach your children right from wrong, if you don't reject sometimes the institutions, like maybe a public library system, that have embraced this leftist ideology and have the courage to live counterculturally, even if it's a leap, even if it's something new, even if it's a little unsettling to think, well, listen, these institutions that used to, that formed the basis of my childhood and my life are not to be trusted anymore. Um, that can be a hard thing to deal with. But if you don't, if we don't, as a movement, as a conservative movement, if we don't recognize this reality, then what we're going to have is we're going to have a bunch more Pete Buttigieg's. We're going to have children who are raised with this ideology who, believe it or not, somehow um, ri rise all the way to be Secretary of Transportation or worse. This is, and this brings us, of course, to talking about Mr. Beast, this YouTuber. Now, you may not know who Mr. Beast is. That's totally fine. You may have never seen a video. You may have never heard of him. You may not care who this guy is. Um, also fine, also valid, but he has the largest YouTube channel ever. He is the number one YouTube channel, which is quite something, actually, to think about. He has 146 million people who subscribe to his channel. He has hundreds of millions of people who watch his videos on a regular basis. If you ask any young person, any Gen Zer, any child, they probably know about Mr. Beast. He, they probably know all of his cast of characters on his show, and this is really important because of his sidekick, Chris Tyson. So Mr. Beast is the most famous YouTuber maybe of all times, he was one, he was named by Time Magazine as one of the uh, most influential people of the year, the 100 most influential people of the year. You can see this, I think we have a, a picture of the Time Magazine honor that was bestowed on Mr. Beast. This is a pretty significant honor given by a prestigious magazine to a guy that does like pranks and elaborate stunts on YouTube to get to get gifts. He, he does things like giving away a house for $1 and um, and buying a private island just to make one, one video. It's like some pretty crazy stuff. And it's kind of interesting to watch. I've watched some of his videos before um, just because they're so popular to see like what he's all about. Um, it's not always my thing, but it's also like kind of fascinating. When you start watching it, it's kind of, it's kind of hard to stop watching, um, which is important, probably why he's famous, right? It's also important because this happens to our children. When our children watch this stuff, they can't stop, can't stop watching. He has a, a regular cast of characters that join him on the show. And one of them is a guy named Chris Tyson. Chris Tyson uh, was married. He married to a woman, had uh, at least one child, a little boy named Tucker. And he recently came out as transgender. He came out as transgender, which is strange for a married guy with a child. Doubly strange when you dig a little bit deeper into the reason why it appears that something really insidious influenced Chris Tyson into this, this transgender identity. And we'll get into that in just a second, but and Mr. Beast has been looped into this. This is not just some random guy on his show. He's been looped into exactly what is happening because he came out in defense of Chris Tyson. So let me bring up this tweet that Mr. Beast, this is element 4B, Matt, if we can bring that up on the screen. Um, so someone posted 
a video on Twitter that said, well, Chris, why Chris will soon be a nightmare for Mr. Beast. And Mr. Beast responded to that random tweet and said, yeah, this is getting absurd. Chris isn't my quote unquote nightmare. He's my effing friend and things are fine. All this transphobia is starting to piss me off. So that was viewed by what, 36 and a half million different people. That's the kind of influence, that's the kind of platform and reach Mr. Beast has. And that's just on Twitter. That's not even on YouTube where he's the most famous. Um, Chris Tyson also posted about this so-called transphobia that he's facing. Transphobia itself is not like a real thing. There, uh, if you break down that word, uh, in, phobia means an irrational fear, an irrational fear of trans people. That's not, that's not a thing, right? They label any ideological opposition to these neo-Marxist queer theory identities as being an irrational fear of transgender people. And that's just, that's, it's gaslighting. It's not true. It's not accurate. But Chris Tyson tweeted, he, he has since deleted this tweet, I believe, um, but he tweeted about so-called transphobia himself, and it, it appears that he's threatening people who don't support him. If we could put this on the screen as well, this is um, element 4C. Yeah, he, he tweeted, I did also hate seeing the hate for me turn into just general transphobia, so I'm trying to make it known. Make fun of me all you want, he says, but mess with the trans homies and, well, and then he puts an emoji of a water gun. Now, I assume he put a water gun because I think most of these social media platforms don't allow actual gun emojis anymore, regardless of whether this is a real gun emoji or a water gun emoji. Like, that's a threat, right? That, that's, we're, we're, we're not stupid. We obviously can look at that and infer that he is threatening people. He's like, make fun of me all you want, but come for my trans homies. Like, what does that mean? Who's coming for your trans homies? Are you talking about criticizing queer theory, neo-Marxist identities and ideology? Are you talking, what are you talking about? And, and what are you threatening to do? Are you threatening to squirt a water gun at us? Are you threatening to attack us? Like, what are you, what are you threatening to do here? And so now this, this gets really nasty. This gets really dangerous, right? Because this isn't just, oh, wow, this awful human being. And the reason I'm calling him awful is because he's abandoning his wife. He's abandoning his son to take up this, this uh, self-serving, this fake identity. That, that, that obviously makes you a bad husband and a bad father, it makes you make a very, he's making a very, very, very bad choice in his life. It's not just about that. That would still be a story. It would be worth talking about. But that's not what this is anymore. So now he's threatening people who don't affirm his transgender identity. And he's looped Mr. Beast into defending, defending him and condemning this so-called transphobia that, that Chris Tyson claims that he is encountering. But here's the thing, here's the thing. How did this happen, right? Like it's one thing if you see a, an 11 year old kid who has been indoctrinated in queer theory from the time they were in kindergarten, right? They've read, been read, read genderqueer, they had these TikTok teachers with blue hairs with their neo-Marxist pronouns and you know, there's these non-binary things and they're on TikTok and they see all this nasty, nasty stuff. Like it's one thing if you're like, okay, well I totally see how this kid was indoctrinated. I totally see how he thinks that he's a girl now um, in addition to the fact, maybe the kid is gay, maybe the kid has gender dysphoria, who knows, maybe it's just a social contagion. There are certain cases where you can certainly see like how it happened. You can see that the grooming was effective and this is where the grooming, this is where the kid was exposed to the grooming. He was exposed on social media. He was exposed at children's libraries. He was exposed at drag queen story hour. He was exposed in school. He was exposed everywhere. He was exposed everywhere. But like a grown man married to a woman with a child? and a successful career, who does, who does videos of stunts, 
Like, where did this come from? Where did this come from? So now we have a tweet from Chris Tyson, who he did delete this tweet. If we could show this tweet on the screen, this is element 4E. This is a tweet that says, nothing gets my knob a cranking like some lolly, lolly, not even sure how to pronounce that word, but that word actually is very important. So this is a vulgar tweet. I apologize, I apologize for even showing it to you and for reading it, but this is really critical to this story. It, he, he's making a sexual innuendo when he says, nothing gets my knob a cranking. Uh, but what is, what is he talking about? What's lolly, what's lolly? Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's a form of anime pornography. It's a form of anime pornography that fetishizes children, sometimes even toddlers and babies, where the, the, the female sexual object is a cartoon kid. So now this is taking a really dark turn. This is not just a man who's making an awful choice, deciding to be an awful human being by leaving his wife and child. He's not just looping He's not just threatening people who don't affirm his neo-Marxist identity. He hasn't just looped in his boss, who's probably made him rich, into this defense, this threat. Now we get to this layer where we're like, okay, wow, so this is much darker, much darker, a form of anime pornography that fetishizes children. This is so often in older people, and when I say older people, I know that Chris Tyson's not that old, but I'm talking, when, when you're not talking about prepubescent or adolescent um, young people, when you're talking about people in their 20s or 30s, especially men in their 20s, 30s, maybe 40s, this is so often related to pornography. It's so often related, I'm not, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about Playboy magazine pornography. I'm talking about twisted, nasty, online video pornography that pushes the bounds of even right and wrong, like the most base level of morals, like pedophilia and other paraphilias. And it impacts people and it damages people and it leads people to this, to everything that we just said. The, the, the transgender phenomenon, the transgender ideology that we see manifesting all over, it feels like an epidemic because we're seeing this huge number of people who identify as transgender. And there are, there are several reasons for this. There, there's a real condition called gender dysphoria, as we know, where someone feels uncomfortable in their body. There are also disassociative disorders that are, are similar in a sense, or they're, they're a type of PTSD where you had some trauma and some abuse and you're, you're so disgusted by what someone else has done to you that you wanna disassociate from your body. This is, this is a, a, a clinical, a pathological thing that happens, a mental illness that happens to people. Gender dysphoria, dissociative disorders, those are very real and they make people feel that they are not comfortable in their own body, that they might be more comfortable if they, were, um, if they could somehow transition genders. And we should give those people the, the mental health care that they need, of course we should. But there are also, other ways that the transgender ideology is, is, is perpetuated on youth. And a couple of those things are some men, um, through pornography, develop a humiliation fetish where they enjoy being humiliated while dressing like a woman. There are other fetishes where some men um, get aroused by the thought of themselves dressing like women. And there are actually two examples of this. You know, Leah Thomas has, has it's been speculated that Leah Thomas is one of those men that maybe get aroused by the idea of, of himself dressed as a woman. And this is, not, this is not just speculation like out in the wild. This is, this is based on um, 
Leah Thomas appearing in the Instagram feeds of some of his friends who refer to this exact thing. It's called, let me see what this name is. It's called um, agynophilia. There's Dylan Mulvaney as an example of um, perhaps there's been speculation that perhaps Dylan Mulvaney is interested in this humiliation fetish because all Dylan Mulvaney does is constantly humiliate himself while dressed like a woman. There are different aspects. It's not just gender dysphoria. It's not just disassociative disorder. It's also perverted sexual paraphilias. And where do those paraphilias, where are they, they, they encountered? Where are they encouraged? Where do they take on a life of their own in disturbing pornography? Disturbing pornography. And they lead, they lead to this. I, you, you could not convince me that Chris Tyson, this sidekick of Mr. Beast, that his, him announcing that he's transgender is not connected to that tweet. Not connected to that tweet where he said, you know, I get my, I get my jollies by this, this anime porn that fetishizes little girls and children. Of course it's connected. Of course it's connected. And the horrifying part, the horrifying part is how he's propagating this. He posted this photo. This is of his son, Tucker. Um, He dressed his son, Tucker, in high heels and said, Tucker chose to slay this morning. That's so disturbing. Now, it's, it's, not, it's not disturbing in and of itself to see a little child playing dress up, right? Like a little boy can dress up in a funny hat or a dress or high heels. This is normal. It doesn't mean a child's transgender. I'm not suggesting that. Every little boy, every man listening to the show probably dressed up like a girl as a child, whether it was because your sisters dressed you up to be an extra in their, in their uh, pretend game or whether you just dressed up for fun. Like every little boy's done that. That's harmless. That's totally a normal part of childhood. Has nothing to do with your sexuality or your gender identity or anything like that. Um, but it is a problem to see a man who has stated his affinity for a type of pornography that fetishizes children and also coming out as transgender, grooming their child. Grooming their child to being like, oh, Tucker is, Tucker chose to slay this morning. That's really disturbing. That's really disturbing. And honestly, as a friend, Mr. Beast came, quote unquote, to his defense. But as, if you want to be a true friend, Mr. Beast has a responsibility to give his friend a dose of reality to say, wait a second, you're a married man. You're a father. You are a man. You're not a woman. It's not okay to be watching pornography like this. You need mental help. And I'm happy to pay for that. That's what a true friend would do. A true, real friend would say, I love Chris exactly, in exactly the body that Chris was given, a man's body, and nothing that he does socially or pharmaceutically or surgically is going to change that. That's what a true friend would do. But this is also, I mean, keep your kids away from Mr. Beast now. So now the biggest YouTube channel in the world, the biggest YouTube channel on all of YouTube is corrupted with queer theory, with a transgender ideology, which you know where that leads. That leads your children straight to harm. It leads them to physical harm. It leads them to psychological harm. It leads them to spiritual harm. It leads your children harm. Keep your kids away from Mr. Beast. Do not let them watch. And, you know, check out some of these books. So some of these books, I'm not even like hawking these books. I don't sell them anything like that. These are just the cutest, the cutest little books. What are some of these other ones? Look at this one. This is one that has, you can turn it over. It's called Just Like Mommy on the front. And then you turn it over and it's just like daddy. It's a little girl and a little boy spending their day with their mom and their dad doing very gender stereotypical activities and having a really good time doing it. If you don't choose the values that your children are learning 
that our children are learning, that the next generation of our nation is learning, then the other side is going to fill that vacuum for us. And I don't know about you, but I do not want my child raised to be a Marxist revolutionary, embracing critical race theory, queer theory, or any of that poisonous ideology. Thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.